welcome to another episode of Girls to Women. I'm Maria. And I'm Renee. Hi, Renee. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. We are ending the month of Women's, Women's History Month. History Month. Thank you. I was like, Woman. I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, I should do it. I didn't even let her know. <laughs> She knows me so well, she knew I was about to fuck up. No, I don't know why I stopped. I actually stopped to think, and I was like, oh my god, she thinks she's gonna say no, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And to celebrate, Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a short episode, but I wanted to um, tell you about three women that in history made a big impact. Yes. And we don't hear enough about them, I feel. At least I personally did not know them. Well, you're going to teach me something today. Yes, because I did the research and Renee's going to be my my <laughs> listener and she's going to be participating. In yeah, because I slacked, man. So I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll participate, you know. You'll have another one. Yes. Yeah. We're going to choose another month for you. Okay. Yeah? I'm done with it. Perfect. <laughs> so the first woman, I wanted to put a little bit of diversity. So the first woman is Latina. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sylvia Rivera. Uh, she was a Latin American drag queen who became one of the mm-hmm. most radical gay and transgender activists of the 1960s and 70s. Okay, well A then. co-founder of the Gay Liberation Front, Rivera was known for participating in the Stonewall Riots of 1969 and establishing the political organization STAR, which means Street Transit... Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. Oh. So, Difficult name. <laughs> With fellow friend drag queen Marsha P. Johnson. Yes, Marsha. Uh, so her, so Sylvia was born on July 2nd, 1951, in the Bronx, New York. She had a troubled childhood, hailing from Puerto Rican and Venezuelan descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivera, Rivera was abandoned by her father shortly after birth and orphaned as a toddler when her mother committed suicide. Ah, oh, shit. So, she was, raped, she was raised by her grandmother. Rivera was rejected and beaten for her effeminate behavior. Yeah. Um, well, the, in that time, too, like, mm-hmm. in the 50s. Whew, uh, by age 11, she ran away from home and became a child prostitute, working in the Times Square area. While living on the streets, Rivera met a group of drag queens who welcomed her into their fold, and it was with their support she became Sylvia, and mm-hmm. identified as a drag queen. Later in life, she would consider herself transgender, although she disliked labels. Okay. Um, with the surge of the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, and the Vietnam War protests in the 1960s, Rivera's activism began to take shape. In 1969, at the age of 17, she took part in the famous Stonewall riots by allegedly throwing the second Molotov cocktail in protest to a police raid. Oh, shit. Of the gay bar, the Stonewall Inn in Manhattan. Yo, she was on fire. <laughs> yeah. Literally. 17 years old, eh? <laughs> the event was one of the major catalysts of the gay liberation movement, and to further push the agenda forward, Rivera co-founded the group, the Gay Liberation Front. Um, there's also uh, an honor of her activism mm-hmm. in the gay and trans community. Uh, the Sylvia Rivera Law Project was founded in oh. 2002. Okay. In the same year of her death, as a legal aid organization, 
uh, as RLP, which is the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, mm-hmm. works to guarantee, this quoted, works to guarantee all people are free to self-determine gender, identity, and expression regardless of income and race and without facing harassment, discrimination, or violence. And do you know when she was dead? In 2002, the same year. Okay, dead. yes, okay. Um, by giving gay, trans, and gender fluid individuals access to legal services as well as teaching leadership and advocacy skills. Amazing. Um, the backroom deals, these backroom deals Rivera was referencing were being led by gay, middle-class white men as well as lesbian feminists who didn't understand nor shared her passion for marginalized groups within the gay community. Mm-hmm. Angered by their lack of inclusion, Rivera delivered her fury, Y'all better quiet down speech in New York City at the Christopher Street Liberation Day rally in Washington Square Park in 1973 amid booze from the crowd. Do you want to hear a speech? You all tell me, go and hide my tail between my legs. I will no longer put up with this shit. I have been beaten. I have had my nose broken. I have been thrown in jail. I've lost my job. I've lost my apartment. For gay liberation and y'all treat me this way? What the fuck's wrong with you? Think about that. Yeah. Damn. And this was a meat booze from the crowd, so everyone was booing her and she was like saying all this. Shit. On February 19, 2002, that's when she died, mm-hmm. Rivera died from, life, from liver cancer at St. Vincent's Catholic Medical Center in New York. Mm-hmm. She's considered one of the pivotal figures who ensured the T in LGBTQ and the only transgender person included in the National Portrait Gallery of the Smithsonian. Yo, this gave me shivers. I know! She is the T in LGBT She She made that happen because so far it was always lesbians and gays. Obviously, they were defending their rights, yeah. trying to make a place, like, to have rights. Yeah. But they were not including transgender. Mm-hmm. Because and she said they were very marginalized and, like, they... Exactly. I mean, yeah. from straight... They had to make the, make their place, mm-hmm. gay and lesbian, mm-hmm. but they were still closing doors to other people that did not consider themselves gay or lesbian. Yeah, like they consider they didn't, it's like they didn't belong in either. Exactly. Oh, so thanks to Sylvia Rivera, we have a team in LGBTQ. Aww, yeah. this is such a nice story. I know. When I read it, I was oh. like, we have to talk about her. When you said that, I swear I had shivers. Oh. And I had someone else. Yes. Um, Kate Williams. Okay. Uh, she was, she's black. Okay. So I told you I wanted to diversify this. Yes, it's great. Um, Kate Williams was born to an enslaved mother and a free father in Independence, Missouri, in 18, Missouri, 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 mm. I don't know how to say it, in 1844. <laughs> During her adolescence, she worked as a house slave on the Johnson Plantation on the outskirts of Jefferson City, Missouri. <laughs> in 1861, Union forces occupied. Okay. Sorry, you said plantation. I'm still on plantation. You said plantation. I was like, mm, plantain what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't mind me. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> I was still stuck on the word. Yeah, well, I'm, I got stuck in this sentence. Wait, where am I? <laughs> okay. In 1960. No. In 18- 61. Mm-hmm. Union forces occupied Jefferson City, Jefferson City during the early stages of the Civil War. Jesus Christ, good thing I don't read for a life. Get for your a shit living, together. Eh? <laughs> I just talk. It's a good thing we don't read our podcast because this, Yo. this was a try and it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, take notes, guys. This is not <laughs> happening again, okay? This is for today. The next time we're using their feet. Yeah, yo, I owe you. <laughs> She's gonna read everything from now on. <laughs> At this time, captured slaves were officially designated as contraband and were forced to serve in military support roles such as cooks, laundresses, or nurses. Before her voluntary enlistment, at just 17 years old, William served as an army cook and a washerwoman. In this role, she accompanied the infantry all over the country. William served under the service of General Philip Sheridan and witnessed the Red River Campaign and the Battle of Pea Ridge. Despite the prohibition against women serving in the military, Williams enlisted in U.S. Regular Army. So remember her name was Cathay Williams? Yeah. She enlisted under the false name of William Cathay. Ah, oh, to, um, like, to be like William a man. William a man, right? Mm. On November 15, 1866. She enlisted for a three-year engagement, passing herself off as a man. Oh, shit. Because women were not allowed. I wonder, you know what? I always this wonder how they story. did Yo. Yeah. I always wonder how they did it. Because, like, you know, I know I know some stuff was happening in the army, you know, between mm-hmm. the soldiers. So, I'm like, did it, anyone well, ever try? Well, because you're a man. So, yeah. You, I mean, if you're a woman, they're going to... No, of course. To... But I mean, like, men have needs at some point. Like, if yeah. you're in war for the next two years, you mm-hmm. know, like, and it's fine, whatever. But it's just, I wonder, like, if anyone ever tried something on her. Well, she's a man. So, no yeah, one's going to so... try anything. That's mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, Williams, she enlisted for a three-year engagement. Passing herself off as a man. Williams was assigned to the 38th U.S. Infantry Regiment after she passed a cursory medical examination. Told this exam should have outed her as a woman, the Army did not require full medical exams at this time. Uh-huh. <gasps> okay, that's what I was. Oh shit, she's a boss! <laughs> Shortly after her enlistment, she contracted smallpox and was hospitalized. Uh-huh. Williams rejoined her unit in New Mexico. They are possibly due to the effects of smallpox, the heat, uh, or the years of marching. Her body began to show signs of strain. Due to her frequent hospitalizations, the POS surgeon finally discovered she was a woman and Mm. informed the POS commander. Okay. Mm -hmm. She was honorably discharged by her commanding officer, Captain Charles E. Clark, on October 14, 1868. Though her disability discharge meant the end of her tenure... With the army, her adventure continued. She signed up with an emerging all-black regiment that oh. would eventually become part of the legendary Buffalo Soldiers. Oh. Following her discharge, Williams went on to work as a cook at Fort Union, New Mexico, and later moved to Pueblo, Colorado. Though she married, it ended badly after her husband stole her money and a team of horses. Her horses. William had him arrested and then moved to Trinidad, Colorado, where she worked as a seamstress. It was during this time that her story first became public. A reporter from St. Louis heard rumors of a female African-American who had served in the army and came to interview her. Her life and military service narrative was published in the St. Louis Daily Times on January 2nd, 1876. Nice. Around 1889 or 1890, Williams entered a local hospital and applied for a disability pension based on her military service. Okay. Though there was a precedent for granting pension to female soldiers, Deborah Simpson, Deborah Sampson, who was a white woman, pretended to be a man to get in the army. Yes. Anna Maria Lane, same story. Mm. And now I have a name and I tried to dig into it, but then there's also Molly Williams. Okay. 
but Molly Williams is black, and there's no record of her being in the military. Okay. She was a firefighter. She was the first African-American firefighter. Okay. So, this Molly Williams, I don't think so. But Deborah Sampson and Anna Maria Lane disguised themselves as men in the Revolutionary War, and they were granted pensions, even though they were female and had enlisted in, uh, in, as, as men. Okay. Um, William's request, though, was denied. Mm-hmm. In September 1893, a doctor examined Williams. She suffered from neuralgia and diabetes and had all her toes amputated and walked with a crutch. Shit. Yeah, diabetes, it's no jokes, man. The doctor decided that she did not qualify for disability payments. <gasps> the exact date of her death is unknown, but it is believed she died shortly after she was nine. Motherfucker. Yeah. Wow. So, there's this section that I actually liked. What makes Kathy Williams an American hero? Though over 400 women served in the Civil War posing as male soldiers, Williams was the first American, African-American woman to enlist and the only documented woman to serve in the United States Army. While disguised as a man during the Indian Wars, Williams is also known, is also the only known female Buffalo soldier. William's determination to serve her country demonstrates the extraordinary feats women have accomplished in free trying to their lives. I really like this one. Wow. And then... And then the last, but the least. The last. The study. But not the least. Oh, not the least. There is. Sorry. <laughs> and this is the first Chinese-Canadian woman admitted Ooh. to the bar in Canada. Ooh. Okay. The bar as in law. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Renee was so happy. He's like, alcohol! I'm like, oh, that seems like a super interesting story. I'm not saying your story is not interesting, but I was like, that's going to be a funny story. to a bar. (laughs) (laughs) So, Margaret G. was born in 1927 in Vancouver, British Columbia. She was called to the bar in British Columbia on 31, on the 31st of May, 1954, becoming at the age of 26 the first woman of Chinese descent to be admitted to the bar in Canada. Yes, girl. Yeah. So she grew up in Vancouver's Chinatown during the exclusion area, 1923 to 1947. The um, this period saw large-scale anti-Chinese demonstrations in British Columbia and legislated exclusion of Chinese Canadians from certain professions, including law. Including okay. law. The fuck. Three years after the Law Society of British Columbia lifted restraints that barred Chinese Canadians from the legal profession, G enrolled in law school <laughs> at the University of British Columbia. Shit, I hope they freaking take off that law. I'm sorry, because it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, but they okay. did lift it. And lift three it. years after, G was enrolled. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1953... Ji became the first woman of Chinese descent to graduate in law at the University of British Columbia. And one year later, in 1954, she became the first Chinese-Canadian woman to be called to the bar in British Columbia. Hmm. With the opening of her law office in 1955, so two years after she graduated, Ji also became the first Chinese-Canadian woman to practice law in British Columbia. Later years, 
In a CBC interview in 1957, she discussed the racism she experienced in school, university, and in her private practices. She noted that she had been fortunate to su that such incidents had been few. Oh, yeah. G died in 1995 at the age of 67 years old. She was also the first Chinese... 67? Yes. Damn. She was also the first Chinese Canadian female pilot officer in the Royal Canadian Air Force Reserves. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. She was a G. She, she was a G, <laughs> literally. Coming down there. Damn, girl. Okay. She killed it. So I was trying to look for women, mm -hmm. important women in history that we don't know about. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I wish we could have learned about more women in our history classes. I hate, I, I love history. But Me too. You know, it's growing up that you learn that what you got taught in mm -hmm. class, mm -hmm. it's like, what, not even a quarter of everything that's been happening in the world. And it sucks because you always, well, no, it doesn't suck. It's, it's part of, you know, learning. You end up looking for these things yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. But it's it's good. You you taught me something today. I really yeah. liked the the woman you found today. Yeah, I could have gone longer. Yeah, <laughs> I found so many great women. I found women uh, of indigenous uh, background. Yes, but I mean, there's a lot of names of cities and places and wars that we don't know. So it's like very complicated. Yeah, like it's it's really complicated, and which makes me want to bring like uh, something up. Uh, for those who doesn't know, like an indigenous or Aboriginal person, it's like uh, it refers to people identifying as a First Nation. Mm -hmm. There's a you know serious matters happening right now in the community. Uh, there's a lot of missing and murdered Indigenous women, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of protests happening. Uh, you know, they're three to five times more likely to experience violence. Wow. More more than, like, even more than non-Indigenous person. Like, there's white, you know, they got, like, one chance or two. Us, mm -hmm. since we're colored, mm -hmm. uh, we have, like, two, three chance more likely to experience violence. Mm -hmm. Them is, like, five times. Wow. They say three to five, but honestly, it's, like, five times. And, you know, the homicides rates are seven times higher for them than a non-Aboriginal woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's important to, like, you know, take the time to, I think, read about it. Uh, and if you want, you know, to participate to organism and or give, you know, do donations, mm -hmm. there's always um, places, uh, not places, sorry, there's always websites you can uh, get the informations from. And all these informations, I got it from uh, the Native Women Associations of Canada and Statistic uh, Canada. Mm -hmm. But there's so many ways you could, you know, learn about the culture uh, by going on website. Even on TikTok. On mm -hmm. TikTok, I don't know if you went on the, if you ever, like, fell on one of the videos. But there's the, I think, Indigenous TikTok. Okay. You know, the, the hashtag. And you get to see so many beautiful dances. Yeah, and really nice. Awareness stories and mothers and daughters sharing like their traditions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so beautiful the bound between them and the, you know, the womanhood in there. So, yeah. uh, it's just, you know, a little, uh, a little, right, yeah, that I wanted to add because I think it's very important and we should all try 
in a way to do our part. Yeah, and to inform ourselves because, like, I was reading, and there are a lot of important women in the in that community, mm-hmm. and they have gone to do so many amazing yes. things. But it's very hard to explain or to like even to try to read because it it's a never ending loop. Like it's they talk about this country and then you go and then you mm-hmm. find out that oh my god, this section of the country is like this, 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 this. Yeah. And it's never ending. Like there's always so many interesting stories. And even in history classes, like we do learn about them, but they're just like, oh well, those they were just, there. They just brush it off. They they exist. And, well, it's mostly they existed, mm-hmm. and then white people came, and now we're here, right? I hate it. And, like I said, um, well, like I say, actually, like, uh, in everyday life, you can't be racist anymore. You can't be, um, you can act like you don't know things mm-hmm. in the sense that we have access to books, we mm-hmm. have access to media. So, if there's something you hear, you have the possibility to go and form yourself. Exactly. And to learn about it. Yeah. So all the people right now who are racist or whatever... Can you ignorant, read what's written on your water ah, bottle? I keep looking at it. It's okay. really interesting. Why be racist, sexist, homophobic, or transphobic when you could just be quiet? Exactly. Or go to a library and get a book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's just so much. And even if you don't like to read their podcasts... Yeah. I, you too. YouTube, TV, shows, Netflix, I'm sure there's something in there. Like, there's no excuses to now say, well, I wasn't aware, or, yeah. well, I just, it's just, you were never interested. Like I said, I believe right now, in 2021, ignorance is a, is a choice. Mm-hmm. It's a total choice. True. Ignorance is a choice. choice. So, this was my little episode. It's very short. I wanted to mention this in order of Women's History Month. And I think we should be doing more little episodes like this. Yeah, it's short and sweet. Every every two months, you know, short and sweet. We mention three women, maybe more. And then we, you know, we learn about something. Yes. Can we give a a little clap for Maria? Yeah. You you know what? When you you edit the podcast, add those like, yay! (laughs) Happy people clap. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so do you have anything else to add? No, you said you said everything. I think it was a nice episode, short and sweet. Perfect. So thank you, everyone. Have a nice week. Bye.